Armstrong, your conversation piece host, coming live from KPFK Studios with some stimulating conversation for you on the air today. On Conversation Piece, you will meet a woman for who decided to participate in surrogate pregnancy. You're going to hear her story. She will tell you about her journey, about this type of pregnancy, this birth, and the process of saying goodbye. Also joining us today is Chantel Runnels from Frontline Doulas. Chantel strives to help women feel confident and capable for the unpredictable journey birth brings. And any of you guys who are mothers, aunties, etc., have been with someone who have gone through the birthing process, you know it's unpredictable. So we're going to have a doula who's going to explain some of those things to us. Okay, everybody, welcome to Conversation Peace. Bettina, Chantel, you guys there? Hi. Hi. Good morning, Angela. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. I am so so glad that you guys are able to join me this this morning. And so before before we get into your story, um, Bettina. Now you guys are going to hear me call Bettina Tina because Bettina is my cousin. <laughs> so right, so right. so in the family we we call her we call her Tina. Yeah, but but her name is Bettina Sanborn, and and our doula is Chantel Runnels. So. So, Tina, before before we get started with your story, let me ask you this. Would you be a surrogate again? Um, right now? No, 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 no. Not right now. Not right now. <laughs> I know oh. the answer would be no for right now. <laughs> I think. Um, in hindsight, would I do it again? Yes. Absolutely. 100%. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now let's just say right now in 2023, would you? Yes, and I'm assuming, you know, you're kind of going towards all the new laws that have passed and just um, women reproductive rights. Um, absolutely. I, I would do it again. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. And then, okay, and then um, another question before we get into your story. Would you recommend someone being one or employing a surrogate? Mm-hmm. Again, absolutely. Okay. I'm 100% for it. <laughs> all right. All right. And then the last question, did you have a doula for any of your birthing experiences? Um, no, I did not. However, you know, I work in healthcare and I 100% support doulas. I think they're great and um, needed. <laughs> right. But right. I myself did not have one. Okay. Okay. Now, I knew that, but I need to make sure everybody else under understood <laughs> You know what? What your what your background is in the birthing experiences, and then also since since you did um, say that you're from the healthcare um, field, tell us your background in that, please. Oh well, currently I work as a um, ICU RN, registered nurse. Right, and you have your master's in nursing. <laughs> mm-hmm, I can do because <laughs> I can bring that up, <laughs> right? And and you're on the journey to becoming a nurse practitioner, correct? Yes. yes. Right. 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 Okay. Okay. So, your story: How and when did you decide to 
become a surrogate? All right. So um, I'll try to keep it short because I know this show is only an hour. Um, I, it's, it's funny. I had no intention on becoming a surrogate before um, I actually met someone in passing. I simply congratulated her on her pregnancy because it was obvious she was having twins because she was huge. And uh, she just kind of laughed and shrugged it off and said, oh, they're not mine. So, of course, I'm looking at her like, what? And I followed her down. And, um, well, first of all, I was picking up my kids from daycare. I wasn't, like, just in Walmart or somewhere her um, Target. But, um, but, yeah, I was picking up my kids from daycare. I should say that first. Anyhow, I asked her, I was like, you know, what's going on? You know, what do you mean they're not yours? And that's when she started to tell me about um, surrogacy. And it was really the first time I had ever really had a conversation about surrogacy with anyone. So I was really intrigued. And um, I just, she was like, you know, if you're interested, I can give you the phone number. And I was. So um, that's how it all began, literally me just um, walking past someone who was pregnant. And um, she told me all about it. Wow. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then how did you actually get in in the process of it? Right. So, yeah, so after I contacted the agency, um, you know, she basically outlined the process, what I had to go through, and um, and it wasn't easy, but I, I was really intrigued, and I, in my head, I just really, I don't know what got into me, but I really wanted to help someone. Um, it could be all the stories that I heard from my friends at the time, you know, their issues with infertility, and um, myself having gone through two successful pregnancies, you know, I'm very blessed to not have any issues with my pregnancies. Um I had them both naturally, you know, just no, no issues at all. I just felt like that was something that I could give to someone who was going through, uh, you know, those types of struggles with infertility. So, um, so anyhow, I decided to go through with the process, and uh, the process itself was long, and um, it, it invested a lot of time. The first year after signing up with the, surrogate, um, the agency was all testing, um, basically to see if I would be a viable um, candidate, for, you know, as a surrogate. And then um, after that, you know, you basically do a trial run um, surrogate pregnancy where they see if you're handling the hormones right, you know, if your body um, responds, um, you know, within the parameters that are needed to have a successful surrogacy or to carry out a successful pregnancy. So I did that for a year and I passed all the tests, felt like I won the lottery because it was a lot, I'm telling you. Um, so after that one year, I became, um, I pretty much was put on a list of surrogates that were available. And then I just waited. So um, the waiting process wasn't that long. But what happens is that um, with this, I don't know how all agencies work, but I'm speaking for this particular agency. Um, they have the um, people who are searching for surrogates look through files. And now surrogates are, you know, are in this file, and they can choose who they would like for the, you know, to be their surrogate. And then they reach out um, to you, to the surrogate, to see if you agree to be their surrogate. So it's it's not like they just choose you. You also choose them. So I had about um, four families inquire, and um, I chose one. And the, the family that I ended up going with um, – was having uh, issues um, or infertility due to a history of cancer. So um, the mom, she, I mean, she went through year after year of trying to get pregnant, um, cancer issues, and then um, in the end, she ended up losing um, her uterus completely. So her story really touched me, and um, I went forward with that family. And 
So you said okay. So so let, let let's back let's back up for for sure. for a moment. A year long of of testing. Mm-hmm. So there were there are physical tests that that you're going yeah. through to see if your body can can handle having a nut someone else's um, implanted so in you that. or or what is it you know because 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 obviously you had two successful pregnancies already. So the testing Correct. was was to see if you you can handle a foreign matter in your body or or what you know because mm-hmm. because I'm thinking like um, you know like when you get a kidney transplant it's like okay mm-hmm. is the body going to acclimate to somebody happen. else's kidney is it the same type of right. process not so much I think the um, the main like uh, purpose of of the the testing is to see how your body reacts to the hormones that you have to take because. Um, the the way the ser- or the way the transfer works, I guess, is that um your the embryos that are put into your body have to be able to survive in um in your uterus that has already been um I guess prepped up until like I guess I think it's like two months like a two month pregnancy or something like that. It, don't get my facts are probably a little off. I don't do um L and D, but um but anyway. The, the, the inside, like, of the uterus needs to be prepared to handle, um, a, an embryo at that age. So it needs to be, you know, um, fluffy with enough lining. Okay. And in order to get that lining, you have to, you know, have hormones. So if your inside of your uterus isn't ready for that embryo when, once it's implanted, then the uh, implantation won't take. So during that one-year process or one-year testing, they're giving you the hormones the way you would receive them during the um, the regular process, and they're testing to see um, if you're far along enough um, so that when it is time to get implanted, you're ready. Because some women, I guess, just don't respond to the hormones, you know, the same. We're all different. Right. Yeah. Okay. I hope I explained that. No, no, you, you did. You did. And... and- so when when you are implanted with with so is this is this part of the IVF is this in, in vitro fertilization is that is that what we're talking about? Um, I uh, the, the IVF process is is a little different than the surrogacy process. Um, actually, in a lot of different ways, because um, it's just so detailed in terms of um, you know with. You know, with my case in particular, the mom didn't use her own egg. Um, she didn't have any. So she had to um, get a donor, an egg donor. Um, and then later on along in the process, we found out that we even had to get a sperm donor, you know, because there were some issues on the father's side. So, um, you know, a lot of times with in vitro, it's the mom's own egg. You know, it's the father's own sperm. So it just really depends on the infertility issue itself. You know, like what's what's going on that's preventing the the mom from actually being pregnant. You know, okay, and then dealing with that, yeah. So, um, yeah. So it it was it was different for you know our case where we didn't even use um, you know, uh, the egg or the sperm from the parents. Wow, wow. So literally, like you said, every 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 surrogate pregnancy is different because every human mm-hmm. body is different mm-hmm. from the person who's going to carry it to the ones who are donating the egg and the sperm. It could be that couple. It could be, it could be a variety of, of situations. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, and and then most importantly, why the infertility is there in the first place, you know, because there's every woman's not infertile for the same reason, you know, and then sometimes it's not even the woman. A lot of times we forget to look at the man, you know, a woman can be fine, but there could be issues um, with like chromosomes inside of the sperm that are pre- preventing pregnancy to, to advance. So, um, yeah, it, there are many factors. Wow. Wow. I, I, you know, this is, you know, this, this is a story that I've been wanting to do for, for, for quite some time. And I, you know, cause you're, you're, you're my cousin. So I thought maybe I knew more about this than, than I did, but I didn't even think about any of those, those finer details because I guess just, just, just like with your own birthing experience with, with your three children is like, okay, um, you get pregnant, you have the baby done, right? And but that's not always the case because some women have that was miscarriages, my story. right? Well, so go that ahead. Was my story. That was I was blessed to have that story where right. I could just get pregnant and just have my kids. Um, I my last my my son, my last one, I did have a little complication at the end. Um, I did have to have a cesarean because I had placenta previa, you know, and they, and it wasn't even complete previa. It's just when the uh, um, and the doula can help me out with this one. It's just when the placenta kind of goes over the cervix a little bit and may block the um, exit route. <laughs> so um, they just wanted to make sure that it didn't drop all the way, and then um, I wouldn't be able to have my son naturally, so we just went ahead and had a cesarean. But, um, but you know, but that was the only complication I had out of three pregnancies, and that's just such a blessing. And um, a lot of women, you know, can't even get pregnant, can't even start the process. Um, more or less complete the process. So it's just right. a, it's just one of those things, yeah. Wow. Ch- Chantel, uh, when we were doing our pre-interview together, you had said mm-hmm. that a doula is needed for, for both families in, in the surrogate mm-hmm. pregnancy process. Explain that, please. Yeah. So, um, Tina, wonderful to meet you, and thank you so much for sharing your story. Mm-hmm. And, Angela, thanks for having me on. Um, when it comes to surrogacy, you know, like Tina was mentioning, there's there's many different types. The main ones being traditional, where um, the gestational carrier uses their own egg and they just use somebody else's sperm. But then you have um, non-traditional gestational carriers where, you know, the intended parents are using their own egg and their own sperm, and uh, that's being implemented impl- implemented in the gestational carrier. And then there's a third option where uh, the sperm and the egg may be donated, and then that's implanted in the surrogate uh, or gestational carrier. So when we're talking about this process, specifically with black families, um, I can't advocate enough for a doula support. One, for the intended parents who by this point have probably navigated fertility issues for years. Um, we know that statistics are now out on black fertility is actually twice as likely for black women to experience uh, infertility issues, but we are less likely to seek help and we wait longer. Um, and that goes for the men as well. So we're already dealing with intended parents who have either had several losses, disappointments, spent tons of money, and the anxiety, stress, and grief in that process um, can be crushing. Working um, as a hotline doula, we get calls from black families all over the state of California, 
and the stories range in how people um, journey to become parents, right? So as a doula, I've talked with people way early in the IVF process, and they're going, you know, we're talking about the stress of finances. We're talking about the grief of barriers. We're talking about the racism involved when black women are trying to speak up about their fertility issues. And a lot of that is due, quick tangent, to this implicit bias that black women are just super fertile. And Mm -hmm. with the surrogacy that's happened in our country for 400 years, you know, black women shouldn't have any, you know, fertility issues. You know, it's probably just stress. It's probably just, you know, whatever. It's dismissed. So Mm -hmm. those families, the intended parents, they need need that support, um, not only preconception, but during the pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Uh, But then the surrogates as well. There's a lot of racism sometimes involved in black women um, signing up to be surrogates (laughs) and sometimes being overlooked. Um, And when we talk about uh, what it takes on the mind and the body and the spirit to carry, you know, um, a baby for the gestational period, birth and then release, which is such a beautiful gift, uh, we just want to make sure that people on both sides have the support they need, the community they need, um, and the resources to continue to thrive. Mm-hmm. Right. Sorry, that was a mouthful. Answer. No, 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 no. <laughs> that 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 was a a a good mouthful of information. There, you mm-hmm. you you touched upon so many different things in there that I didn't even think about was that you know people think that, that that black women have no no um fertility issues and that's you know cuz you know uh whenever people have these um races or prejudice um viewpoints it sort of it, it you know it makes you sort of chuckle inside like really like is that what you know and then it's like oh right that's what you really do think and that's what you operate on, and that's what you build policies on, and that's where the health disparities come into into play. You know, it's just like when you know when people used to think we had tails. It's like, oh, that's that that's you know so, sort of hilarious, right? But mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know, but more seriously, it it builds and makes policy and laws that work against whoever the, 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 the targeted prejudice group is. And in this case, um, black women. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right. So, so Tina, what, what did, what mm-hmm. did your family say about this undertaking when you decided, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Uh, you know, I ran right. into this woman um, at, at, you know, I was picking up the kids daycare. Yeah, at the daycare and, right. and you come home with, with this story to, mm-hmm. to your husband, to, to, to your village and how does that conversation go? Right. Well, like most things that I bring up, everyone thinks I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> I'm like the Lucy of the family, Lucille Ball. Like, what are you talking about? But um, anyhow, you know, they, of course, you know, there was, there was support, of course, because I was able to, to carry it out. But I could tell um, that there was a little bit of apprehension just because of the, there's unknown. You know, like anything that, you know, you don't understand, you know, or um, things that you don't understand, you fear. You tend to fear, right? So there was that underlying fear a little bit from the from the areas that we just didn't understand. But a lot of things were cleared up, and then through that, you know, we became more comfortable. Plus, I, 
I worked with a wonderful agency that had lots of resources available to us. Um, you know, we had a, a psychiatrist. Um, we went through therapy. We had support groups. You know, um, we didn't get doulas, though, Chantel, which I think would have been a great a great addition to that process. But, however, mm. um, right? Um, so, I don't know. But, you know, I don't know what other agencies are providing either. Maybe they are providing doulas. And then, but yeah, uh, Chantel, I wanted to, uh, to touch on something you said, um, how important it is for surrogates to also have doulas. Like, I 100% agree. Having done the process, you know, afterwards, you know, there is a grieving process that the surrogate goes through as well. And um, a lot of people would ask me, like, oh, you know, um, was it hard to give away the babies? And my answer is always the same. It wasn't hard giving up the babies. It was hard giving up the family, like the process. Because I, you know, I wasn't attached to the babies I was attached to the family you know and I was attached to our experience Mm -hmm. and and with you know after the kids are are born it's over like that's it you know no more support meetings you know you don't get to be with the families anymore they go back to wherever they came from and it's over you know and so it's it's a loss and um there was um at least with our agency there wasn't a um like a follow-up for that grievance process for that loss so, and that's and that's where the the doula will come mm. will come in with that emotional support for for the for the postpartum part of the process, mm-hmm. not not just the the separation of the of the family, because so so you're right. saying during the 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 meetups and what have you, it was the 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 receiving couple and and the gestational you right. Carrier during what now? I'm sorry. What, during what? you said during during the, the the meetings and the 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 therapies and the group. Um, what was it? They weren't there all the time. No, mm-hmm. um, they were. I'm, what I mean is, uh, it's like I was saying, it took a year to even go through the testing. You know, there's that process. You know, so that investment um, that I gave to the process, and then after I met the family, you know, so now we have to go through that, and that's like another year. Um, we actually, um, the first implant didn't work, so we did it a second time. So that's even longer. So I was with this process for a good three years of my life. And when it just ended, it was a loss for me because it, it was me giving up, you know, a, a, what had become a part of who I was. I was a surrogate, you know, and that was something that I was working towards, you know, and, it, you know, we had success from it, but now it's just over. You know, and then coupled with all of the uh, the hormones that you lose after pregnancy, you know, and the postpartum sets in, you know, it could be tough for anyone. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, let's let let's take a, a break right here. And when we come back, we'll we'll go more into, you know, the stigmas attached to it and, and, and the, the goodbye um, process. I'm Angela Birdsong, your host, and you're listening to Conversation Peace, the place in the real day-to-day issues and celebrations of urban living locally and worldwide. Stay tuned for more. We'll be right back. Tomorrow may never come for you or me. 
life is not promised. Tomorrow may never show up for you and me. This life is not promised. I ain't no perfect man. I'm trying to do the best that I can with what it is I have. I ain't no perfect man. I'm trying to do the best that I can with what it is I have. Put my heart and soul to the song. Yes, yes. I hope you feel me where I am or wherever you are. I mean that sincerely. Tomorrow may never come. For you and me, life is not promised. Tomorrow may never appear. You better hold this very moment. The Frontline Doula Hotline connects black, pregnant, and postpartum individuals throughout the U.S. with a community doula in need of a non-emergency emotional support and practical guidance at no cost. Monday through Sunday, 7 a.m. to 10 p.m., text Doula Help to 833-987-2908. That's 833-987-2908 to schedule a call with a doula. For more information, visit FrontlineDoulas.com. On Chantel Runnels' website, Chantel, Chantel, Chantel Runnels' website, ChantelRunnels.com, that's R-U-N-N-E-L-S.com, she gives a definition of a doula as a noun, one who comes along, whether you are preparing for a hospital birth or home birth or a first-time mom or a welcoming another babe into your family, every woman should have access to a doula. She further says, quote, a mother's birth story is one she'll tell hundreds of times. Let's make it a good one. End of quote. Welcome back to Conversation Piece. I'm your host, Angela Birdsong, and we are hearing the story about surrogate pregnancy and the importance of having a doula through this process. Chantel, mm-hmm. I know, okay, we, I know you're a doula, and on your website and in the bio that you sent me, you are also a mother. And yeah. and you said that after your first child was born in 2008, that's when you decided, I need to, I need to get involved in this doula business. What happened? Yes. So I went into um, my labor and birth at a, a local Southern California hospital Having taken the traditional Lamaze class and um, having read the Preparing for Birth book that, you know, was often recommended at that time, 
And, you know, I thought, hey, you just go in, you create a birth plan, then you just come out with a baby. (laughs) Uh, You know, and somewhere in between that, you do these fancy breathing exercises. And even though my husband is in allied health and we have many members of the family that are also in healthcare, um, nothing could be farther from the truth as far as, like, being able to go this alone. When I think about it now, you know, you walk into uh, a hospital, you're dealing with people who may see upwards of 10 to 12 births in one shift. You know, there are definitely quiet shifts, but for most providers, you're going to see several births on your shift, your 12-hour shift. Um, But for people who are coming in, having a baby, whether it's their first or third, they've waited all year for this moment, right, that takes place usually over two to three days. And the plethora of decision-making, the medical lingo, processing all of the things that are coming at you um, while you're in pain (laughs) or heavily, you know, sedated or, you know, unable to move depending on what interventions or augmentations are uh, presented your way. At the end of the day, you're like, hey, how do I get through this and make sure I do the best thing for me and my baby? Wow, to have a doula at that time would have been so helpful for both my husband and I. You know, it was a very fatiguing process. We had the support of our family. We had the support of our friends. But, you know, they're kind of in it, too, you know. So to have a doula who is somewhat removed, uh, who knows what's on the other side, who can walk with you, resource with you, who has colleagues maybe in the area or even in that very hospital, um, that would have made a big difference in, I think, that labor and birth for me that ended up in a C-section. And you know, I often wonder if it was actually necessary, but that's the birth story of my first son. I'm glad my OB was a great surgeon and got us both out of there safe and sound, but I know that's not always the case for everyone. So after that, I said, hey, no, if a family wants a doula, they should have access to a doula. They, you know, they should be able to have someone to come alongside them, be a part of their birth team through this huge transition. Um, you know, it's almost like a two-year program, right? You're, you're pregnant for a year. You have this birth, and then you have this whole year postpartum where everybody's trying to figure things out. And so, yeah, that's when my doula journey began. Wow. And then when you're talking about surrogacy, with like with Tina's story, she said it was three years of her life. And does does that include the the year after um, delivering the babies, Tina? I I wasn't including the year after. Wow. So we're talking about four, four years for, for we're talking about a college degree. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. To Tina's point, that ending is, is so critical because you have these meetings with the families and to Tina's point, many people don't become attached to the actual infant, but you, but it's this family, it's this story, it's this labor of love, even with money being involved, um, it's it's creating a human life. It's creating an organ, a placenta, right? Like, I mean, it's just such an incredible uh, selfless um, service um, and gift, really, that Tina and so many other moms um, and birthing people give to families, you know, around the country and around the world. And so the physical, the emotional, spiritual, and psychological impact postpartum um, having the support of a doula in those areas, I think, would benefit so many more uh, families mm-hmm. of intended parents and the surrogates. Yeah. Yeah, most most definitely. Now, I 
you know, I, I, I didn't have any, any kids. I've had, you know, and I'm just being very, um, transparent right now. I had five pregnancies, three abortions, and two miscarriages. And that's a, that's part of the reproductive process that nobody talks mm-hmm. about and nobody has mm-hmm. support for at all. You know, the, the miscarriages, the, the, the abortions, mm-hmm. that type of thing. You just, you know, you're just out there walking around and like, okay, this is, you know, this is my story, but uh, how, how yeah. I'm not going to tell nobody, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, it's like our, because I know I was looking at, at the doula care and you guys were talking about, um, you know, father support and and also the, you know, childbirth education resources. But do you guys provide any support for women who had miscarriages? Yes. Yes. In fact, we do, Angela. We have um, actually have doulas that they actually specialize in infant loss, in abortion or pregnancy releases um, or miscarriages. Because you're right, that grief support is a different journey, you know, altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, as a doula, I've walked with people through all three of those processes, and um, it is a gift, in, even in that way, you know, uh, to be able to walk with people on that journey. And the great news now is, um, as a Medi-Cal provider, um, if you have a loss, a miscarriage, or an abortion, uh, doula services are actually now covered for anybody who has Medi-Cal insurance. And that's going to be a huge resource, I think, for um, women all over our state. Wow. Wow. And that's wow. (laughs) That is beautiful. Yeah. That is. Yeah. It's been a long time in the making, but, you know, Mm -hmm. we've been working at this for over three years. And one of the things we would fight for in these stakeholder meetings is, listen, reproductive justice means that anybody along the journey gets the support they need regardless mm-hmm. of the outcome, because it's not always just about, it's not only about the infant, right? We're talking about um, women from pre, pre, you know, conception until we're bringing the baby home. And then sometimes, like it's happened in, in a few cases for me, sadly, four weeks, six weeks, we have these near misses or we have a loss, you know? And then how are we walking with parents, you know, who brought home a baby, but the baby didn't thrive? So now all sorts of parents can get support um, during the pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. I think um, what Chantel said is, is really significant, um, especially to address the, the disparity with black women and, and mortality rates. Um, because I, I really believe like the, the, the um, prenatal process, is is not looked at or is not taken as seriously. I don't know what's going on, but I could just be resources, maybe um, you know that are available. I'm not sure, but um, having a doula there in the beginning, I think, would help with these mortality rates because um, Angie, you you know about how black women are disproportionately, or they die disproportionately more than white women, right? Yes. During childbirth. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I'm not sure, again, is, you know, what part of the process is being overlooked here or what's happening. But for me, I believe that the prenatal care um, that could happen with a doula could probably lower those rates. Chantel, 100%. what do you think about that? Because in your, go, go ahead. No, 100%. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, again, uh, we are, we're not only, you know, 
impacted by maternal mortality two and a half times um, mm-hmm. our counterparts, you know, in America, regardless of our demographics. You know, we look at stories like Serena Williams, who, although married to a white billionaire and very wealthy herself and educated and well-known, had to step out in the hallway and say, hey, I recognize when something is wrong with my body. I know what my conditions are. I need attention right away. But nearly that, you know, her, her first daughter was nearly orphaned because no one would pay attention to her. So not only at the birth, but even preconception, when we are trying to, you know, advocate for ourselves, hey, something about my cycle isn't right, or I have significant bleeding, or I haven't had a cycle in several months, you know, when we're trying to bring up our concerns to our providers, mm-hmm. it's, it's getting past that curtain of implicit bias, the curtain of myths around black women's bodies, particularly in America, and this is where doulas can help remove that curtain and remind the providers, you know, whether it's a therapist, an OBGYN, a midwife, hey, we're not dealing with a medical number here. We're, de- we're dealing with, you know, Serena Williams. These are her conditions, and we want to make sure she doesn't have the perfect story, but she has a positive one. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's really where a doula can step in and assist. Well, you know, and since, since we're talking about these, um, the statistics, I do have a clip um, of Ajoa Jones, um, you know, for, of the outreach, and she's the outreach and engagement director for the African-American Infant Maternal Mortality with Los Angeles County Department of Health. And she spoke with me after a film screening of birthing justice during the Pan-African Film Festival here in Los Angeles. So if we can play that, that clip, clip number four, let's, let's get that queued up and then we can talk about what she's saying here. Okay. And, you know, and basically, you know, like, like you guys were saying, you know, black women in the United States are three to four times more likely to die during childbirth than white women. And Birthing Justice, a feature-length documentary film, it, it captures that experience and the challenges mm-hmm. of, of black women, their families, caretakers. and, and The families. Birthing Justice film was shown, um, and the director, Monique Matthews, was here, as well as Sister Denise Pines of Women in the Room Production. So what happened was I was introduced to Denise back in mid-2022 by a colleague, Abby Land, who used to work at the CEO's office for the Women and Girls, uh, Status of Women and girls and so Denise and I started talking about their film and when it came out how we would collaborate on presenting it to the community so I was able to work with her Girls Club of Los Angeles Black Women for Wellness Charles Drew University Black Maternal Health Center of Excellence and um, Denise in turn worked with Blue Shield which is one of the partners that I work with for the Black Doula Consortium and so they've worked to make it possible for us to be able to and them to be able to show the film and screen it really go around the nation and screen it at no cost to those who would see it because the benefit and the value of that is to share with our community who are not aware that black women are still dying in the birthing journey and so we want to make sure that black women um 
for one, our community knows that racism is the leading cause of infant and maternal mortality. That black women are going unheard or not listened to when they go in and see many of their providers, uh, which is leading to poor health outcomes, or which leads to either maternal morbidity, death, or... I mean, mortality or morbidity, which can be long-term effects. So in this nation, we have 50,000 near preventable maternal health issues that happen annually per CDC. And so this film in and of itself was so magnificent because they were able to go across the nation and go to four states, California, Georgia, D.C., as well as Ferguson, Missouri. And... I learned something. Even though I knew about Georgia and their high rates, I never knew D.C. had the highest rate of maternal mortality, which is, like, shocking to me. One, Chocolate City. One, being our capital. I'm like, okay. So this film was, you know, a highlight and is able for our community to see that we all need to come together as a collective to end this assault against women and their bodies and ensure that women are able to have some celebratory births, supportive births, that there are doulas that can help as advocates, that there are midwives also that help and are delivering babies, that we were the ones, uh, our ancestors, our foremothers, that were delivering this entire nation, right? And so it's not uncommon to us. And so making the space to have um, a black birth worker pipeline is critical here in not just in L.A. County, but our nation, that there are we want people that look like us, that understand, have lived experience, racism being one of the leading causes that has caused trauma. Even though we say the stress has impacted the body, but it's the trauma over time and the weathering that causes the body to just not be able to handle that. And then just to be in places where you're not being listened to. If you're saying, I'm having this pain, to deny access to proper care or proper assessment to say, okay, you know, maybe you're right. Normalizing everything like, oh, that's a normal occurrence in pregnancy. No, it's not. And then we have proof and data that supports that Doulas have been critical in reducing C-sections um, by providing advocacy and support, um, just the education, and then being able to bring the whole family into this, getting fathers to be able to be aware that, one, their babies are at risk of dying before their first year of birth, and that their women, whether it's a sister, mother, cousin, friend, aunt, whomever is at risk of dying in this pregnancy and birthing journey. And it's only gotten worse in our nation. That's supposed to be the most um, advanced, right? Medically advanced. And so we're doing the work to try to combat that. But it's a systemic overall overhaul that has to take place. And so that's what we're doing. This film, Birthing Justice, so thankful to Women in the Room Productions, Denise. Actually, if people want to learn about what we're doing in L.A. County, they can go to our Black Infants and Families webpage, www.blackinfantsandfamilies.org. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram as Black Infants and Families Los Angeles. And we're on Twitter, B-I-F underscore L.A. And so we have free doulas that are offered to African-American women. As of January 1st, the state of California is providing free doula services to all who receive Medi-Cal. You know, we're looking at all the health plans, and many of them are interested in getting involved in doing doula expansion. So if women have private insurance, call your insurance provider and say, hey, are you going to offer me doula services at no cost? Will you cover my doula fees? 
and let's make it happen. So that's what we want to do in LA. So activating our village this year, where our theme for 2023 on Black Infants and Families is Grow Your Village. So anybody who wants to be a part of our community action teams, they can get involved. Um, again, the website, they can call me at 213-541-3938 and I can direct them to any of four of our community action teams as well as many of our partners in the community nonprofit organizations that are doing the work. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Angela Birdson reporting a PATH 31st anniversary for KPFK Rebel Alliance News. To find a film screening in your area or to create a space for local conversations, by bringing birthing justice to your community, visit birthingjustice.com because every woman deserves a beautiful birth story. Mm-hmm. Ladies, isn't I mean, did did you um Chantel, did you see Birthing Justice? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yes. I, I so have to powerful. Too. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes it is. I when I saw it, I I was dumbfounded because I didn't know, you know, I think, you know, that that's, that's one of the health disparities is when you don't even know that there's a health disparity, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. 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 Yeah. Okay. So I do want to get back to the surrogacy, Um, Tina. So where, Mm -hmm. are there any stigmas attached to being a surrogate? Did you experience any stigma? Oh yeah. My, my favorite one was, um, well, I have a couple. Um, one of them was, um, are you doing it for the money? Absolutely not. Mm, <laughs> um, I, as we touched wow. on before, it was like a, a three year experience. Um, it's not like you get this huge amount of money all at once. You're, you're paid along in the process. Um, you know, for your time, you know, and also, you know, it just it just kind of it just kind of um it, it just minimalized the the experience a little not 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 on my end, but people would wouldn't take it as serious, you know, like oh, people are just doing that for the money, you know. And to be real, there were some surrogates who were like on their third or fourth birth, and and some of them said, hey, yeah, I do this because I can have kids easily, and it's money. You know, and they were maybe stay-at-home moms and um, couldn't go out and get a, you know, a full-time job because they already had three kids at home they were taking care of. So that's their business. But um, for me, that was not my story. Um, and for a lot of people who do um, surrogacy, it's not their story. So that, there's that. Um, also, um, how do your kids, you know, are, how, you know, are your kids okay with it? Like, you know, to kind of ask, you know, like, would your, do your kids think it's weird that you're carrying someone else's kids? Because um, one of the one of the things um, that's a requirement is that you you had kids before you sign up to be a, a, a surrogate, which makes sense. You, you know, you want to make they want to make sure that you at least had a, a pregnancy, a successful pregnancy before you sign up. So anyway, um, but yeah, people always ask, you know, what did my my kids think? And um, so that I would just always just answer, you know, they don't think anything. They're kids. You know, so they're so young that they haven't been, um, you know, since using the word stigma, stigmatized to think that anything's wrong with it. So to them, mommy was helping another family and it wasn't weird for them. You know, so um, they were very young. How old were the kids when this happened? I think they were like four and two. Oh, wow. When I yeah. Did this. yeah, they were really young. The girls were young. So, um, you know, there there was no... You know, they weren't like, oh, mom, this is weird. What are you doing? 
nothing like that. But those are the two things that I would get all the time. Whoa, that's right. You, and, I, you, and when you were going through that process, I didn't think any, I, I was like, oh, how beautiful this is. You, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you, you know, like, you know, what a, you know, a, a beautiful gift of love to yeah, to no. be able to participate in that that type of, of, of process for, for someone. And now you said there was four families that, that you can choose from. Why did you say no to the other three and yes to, to the one? Um, they just didn't align with the reason why I was doing it, why I felt in my heart I wanted to be a surrogate. Um, again, I, I wanted to, you know, in my heart I wanted to help someone who was infertile. Um, these other um, applicants were, I don't call them applicants, but anyway, the other mothers, um, could have kids, they just chose not to. Maybe they didn't want to, you know, for whatever reason. You know, I'm thinking more cosmetic. They didn't want to, you know, change their bodies, you know. Um, but, you know, they could, you know, go along and maybe try to have the process done themselves, but they chose to just have it done by somebody else. And, and I didn't want to be, like, you know, you know, on call to have someone else's kid. I, you know, I, I really wanted to have a little more purpose behind the reason why I did it. Okay, right. Especially, you know, the the time invested um, right. in it for for sure. Four years. Whoa. Yeah, like like Chantel said, that's a college degree. You you yeah. earned you earned a, co- a college degree within within that process, um, a sur- surrogacy degree for sure. Okay, so now this now this this is a question that 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 I I have. The did you provide breast milk? for the baby, for the, you know, to give to the parents or what, what, you know? Uh, my personal story, no, I did not. Okay. However, um, again, every, everyone's different. And um, we sit down with a lawyer in the beginning, we sign contracts and uh, it outlines from the beginning to the end, how, how it's, you know, what's going to go on, you know, um, before, during and after the, the, um, the childbirth with the lawyers and we signed contracts about it and um, included in that contract is also, you know, providing breast milk and for how long, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and if that you can, because I don't think people realize that not all mothers can produce breast milk at the same rate mm. <laughs> as, as mm-hmm. you know, as, as you know, there's some um, women who just, you know, physically cannot provide it as much as the baby needs, you know, they can provide some, but you don't want your baby to starve, you know. So, you know, it, it, sometimes you have to supplement. And, you know, Chantel could probably touch on that better than I can. But, um, yeah, but it is written into some people's contract um, that they can provide um, some breast milk, but, um, but not all the time. Right. So the our, our, our professional doula with us today, Chantel, I, I do see you guys mm-hmm. do lactation education. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We provide lactation, lactation education support. And to Tina's point, um, whether it's, you know, a mom who just births and is trying to breastfeed, you know, just quickly with the lactation, uh, we now have breast milk banks, you know, throughout our state and throughout the country where you can still receive breast milk, you know, uh, for your infant if you choose to do that or use a combination of milk, uh, breast milk and formula. But as a surrogate, that's uh, to Gina's point, that's something that's outlined from the beginning. What is not only the, the pregnancy process look like, what is the 
uh, compensation going to be, but what happens in the birth room, right? Um, when it comes to bands and, and who's present and, and how are we passing over the baby and what does the golden hour look like? And then postpartum, are, is a surrogate willing to breastfeed, you know? And if so, exactly for how long? And then is that an additional expense? Because there are people who charge <laughs> for breast milk. So, um, and it, I mean, it's, it's super valuable. And so all of those things are, are, are items that, um, a surrogate like will have to carry. And oftentimes, like I've been reached out before by a surrogate to provide doula services. And one of the things she said is that, Hey, you know, I'm really aware that the intended parents and their family will have the support they need in this process but I want to make sure that I have the support that I need, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was advocating for a doula for herself, you know, because of all of these things that you have to carry. And it is a long time, you know, and many people work full-time jobs, you know, or like in Tina's case, you have other kids on top of this, you know? So mm-hmm. having that extra support really is invaluable to a lot of people. And you guys also provide postpartum support. And when I when I saw that on yes. on your website, it's a meal delivery setup and self self care mm-hmm. tips and resources. I, you know, it's, it's just stuff that you don't even think about um, mm-hmm. because, yeah. like with you know, like I said, T- Tina's my cousin. It's my my, my little cousin, <laughs> and her her mother and my mother um, are first cousins. And okay. neither one of them had sisters and they, they grew up like they grew up like sisters. And mm-hmm. um, so when Tina was having her children, unfortunately, her mother had already passed. She was deceased. Mm-hmm. And so my mom and Tina's grandmother <laughs> stepped in with that postpartum, you know, care mm-hmm. and, and probably uh, some Beautiful. doula care, too, because I think they was with you when, when you had the babies. Right. They were in the room. Yes, they were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, right, That's beautiful. Yeah, so as doulas, we provide postpartum support. Um, And so whether it's on the hotline where black women can call across the state, schedule a free 50-minute call, they have a question about lactation, they have a question about their bleeding, they have a question about those cloudy days. Hey, how do I know if, you know, it's time to go talk to somebody, if this is postpartum, you know, uh, anxiety, right, or another mood disorder, or if they have a question about baby care. You know, and then, you know, in person, uh, what's great now about the Medi-Cal benefit is women uh, can get up to 11 additional visits postpartum. So, like, in my private practice, I'll provide three to four visits postpartum for many of my clients. But postpartum doulas, they'll walk with you up to a year of the baby's birth, and now that's covered with Medi-Cal. So, yes, meal support, maybe coming over for a couple hours, several days a week, so that you can shower, to do some light cleaning, to cook, a, you know, a nutritious uh, you know, postpartum soup or uh, other meal, you know, or when the baby gets a little colicky and it's like, you know, hey, this screaming is a whole nother level. Man, a doula can come in and relieve, you know, a mom and a dad or the parents to, to normalize things, have people take a break because the biggest um, symptom or lead to, to postpartum uh, depression for both the moms and the dads uh, or for parents postpartum is actually fatigue. Fatigue, sleep deprivation leads to several different challenges. It's just an avalanche of complications, whether in the workplace or at home, for many new parents and families. And this doesn't, and it doesn't stop with multiple kids. So a doula can come and step in, you know, because, you know, we get to sleep through the night most nights if there's no baby coming. <laughs> 
and just help, you know, parents get a shut eye, you know, for a few hours. So it sounds like you had uh, your auntie doula and your grandma doula there to support you, um, which is amazing. And in this day and age, unfortunately, it's not common. A lot of people live far away from family, extended family. Um, housing looks different for a lot of people. Uh, and so some of those things that were uh, naturally built into our communities to support new parents, they just don't exist in the same way. And so I think now more than ever, doula support, especially in the black community, is essential. Chantel, give us your, your contact details. we got to wrap it up. And Okay. Okay. <laughs> So you can find me. I am a hotline doula, but you can find me at ChantelReynolds.com, and I'd be happy to have a conversation with any new families looking for doula support. Thank you so much for having me on, Angela. Oh, and no, nice thank you. you. Thank you for, for, for joining <laughs> us. The, you, 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 you put the cherry on, on top and, and made sure that we stay within boundaries of, of what this birthing process looks like. Tina, you got 15 seconds to let us know what advice would you give to one carrying the precious life and to the family receiving the baby? Um, get a doula. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. No problem. No, well, um, no, but really, um, a lot of people think doulas are for births that don't happen in the hospital. But um, as Chantel beautifully outlined, you know, uh, they're from the beginning to the end of the process. And if you choose to have um, a birth, a childbirth in the hospital, you you can still have a doula. So it's not, you know, because people think, oh, doulas are for home births. And I don't want to do a home birth, you know, and that's not true. (laughs) So I just want to throw that out there. Okay, excellent. excellent. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. All righty, you, you guys. Thank you to my conversation piece guest, Bettina Sanborn, for sharing her personal story and choosing to participate in a surrogate pregnancy. Thank you to Chantel Runnels, doula from Frontline Doulas. For more information, visit FrontlineDoulas.com and check out her um, personal page for her private practice, Chantel Runnels.com. For mental health resources, crisis support helplines and warm lines, go to NAMIUrbanLA.org under resources. Um, to locate a birthing justice film screening in your area, go to birthingjustice.com because, yes, every woman deserves a beautiful story. Thank you to our audio engineer, Wendell Handy, Michael Washington of NYSO for the opening and closing theme song, and always you, our listening audience. Reach me on social media at mtasproductions.com. I'm Angela Birdsong. Once again, thank you for allowing me to share this special experience, a conversation piece with you. Remember to be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be brave, be courageous, and let all that you do be done with love. 